Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation On Air. This week we just have the two games to talk about. Firstly, the win away at Birmingham and some wizardry from Willock. And then we have an interesting cup tie to discuss as QPR playing League One High Flyers and perennial yo-yo club Rotherham United. Joining me to discuss all this is Dan Lambert and Lucas Ross. Welcome, guys. Hello, hello. Evening, fellas. Evening. Now, uh, both of you made the trip up to Birmingham. Was it a good away day for you two? Absolutely world class. Out of this world. It was It was a brilliant day all round. First away day of the year. Should always be a good one. And the result... It was a it was a good result. Played some lovely football, backed by a sold out crowd of one thousand nine hundred seven. Also went with Tom, um, which was interesting. First time my dad actually met Tom, so that was nice. Um, so it was a good match. Played some lovely football. Birmingham were quite poor, I must say. Um, they didn't really do much. Um, they lost the ball quite a bit, and yeah, they just looked sort of. That cluster, subpar, below average, if you like. And I think the win was a fair result. We we played well. Perhaps maybe we could have had a couple more goals, but I'll take the 2-1 while I like. Dan, how was it for you then? Yeah, we know uh, you're enjoying a way day. Yeah, no. Seldom it was, remember it was, them, if anything. No, I, I, I remember most of it. No, um, it was, I wasn't as bad as Reading in the way, but um, no, it was a good away day. Good following, like Luke said, and a good result. So can't can't be much better, really. Yeah. So let's uh, look at the team selection first of all. One was it one change? Just Stefan Johansson out, and then uh, Gray in, wasn't it? So was this something that came to a surprise as you guys? You know, team captain kind of expects Janssen to be playing majority of games, especially in the league. So was this a bit of a surprise? It was a little bit, but, um, you know, these things happen. Um, just like the rest of our team, he's not invincible and he needs a rest. And I think prior to him coming on, I think he got that rest. And um, Luke Amos and who else is in midfield? Amos and Field both put in a shift in midfield before he came on. Um, I think it was just before he scored our second, he came on. Um, and once he came on, he put he puts in a solid shift as per usual. But I think... I think the reason why Hansen was on the bench to start off with is is testament to why he's not invincible and needs to rest, just like the best of us. Dan, did um did, did was Dykes a change as well? Sorry, I was just wondering, was Dykes a change Sorry, for no, Austin? Yeah, there was a check. Yeah, Dykes changed for Austin as well. Yeah. Um, what do I think of the team? Um, well, I, I I liked it. I thought Johansson being on the bench was a bit of a a surprise. I don't know what the reason was at the end of the uh the game, but no, it all worked out well in the end and yeah good team were you a little bit with the fact that we have got the FA Cup coming up and he didn't play any of the League Cup fixtures earlier on in the season um, do, did you not think that next week would have been you know obviously it's worked out okay but before the game do we not think maybe he he plays him one more week and then gives him a rest in the game against Rotherham Yeah, he, he, he could do. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking behind it. Maybe he thought we were going to be a bit more direct, less possession. Um, obviously, Barnsley are quite a... Would, they, they press well. They, they're they in your faces a lot. So maybe he thought 
maybe thought Luke Kane was going for a bit more aggression. I don't know, but like you said, it was it was a bit weird that they he didn't rest him um, on Saturday. Yeah, uh, and then again, the bench is quite small, isn't it? Kakai, Johansson, Austin, Ball, Archer and Thomas on the bench. Uh, just the one defender there, actually, which is the sort of the shortcoming, I guess. But there's plenty of players there that could come on and change the game in Johansson, Austin, Thomas, and even to a certain extent, Don Ball. Um, you know, we have seen some younger players uh, brought into the squad for, to fill out spaces on the bench. Do you reckon any the recent sort of COVID issues that we've had is sort of stopping that for the time being, trying to keep squads separate and reduce the amount of contact they have? I think it might be, to be go honest. Sorry, Luke. Go I think it I think it does go without saying that the outbreak um wasn't welcome. Um but I think um it definitely hasn't helped the um size of the squad, if you like, because um I think every game, par Bournemouth and possibly even Bournemouth as well. Um, every game since we've come back from the outbreak, we've had to um, play a reduced bench. Um, like Bristol City, especially, really had me quaking in my boots because we only had five players on the bench, um, and that really, that really worried me before the match. But in the end, we pulled through, um, and yeah, I think. Maybe I think, especially with Nick Armainen and Connor Masterson returning from their loans, and hopefully Device and McCallum pushing their way back to fitness, hopefully we'll be able to see. Hopefully Masterson coming on the bench, on the bench hopefully in coming weeks, because I know he's got a good performance up his sleeve. But is he Championship standard? Mm, it's one of those things, really. Okay, so the the match then, how does it all pan out? Was it a good performance from us? You, Lucas, you've already said that they're poor, so Dan, you can take this. Uh, uh, sorry, Birmingham were poor. Uh, yeah, so Dan, what do you think? Good performance? Deserved the win? I, I like, I mean, in the ground, I thought it was different to what I saw after um, when I watched it back. I thought when I watched it back, I thought we were very, very good, especially out of out of possession. I mean, we actually pressed well for once. We had a good, good defensive solidity off the ball. Um, it felt cagey the last 10 minutes, which I think everyone probably agrees on. But overall, I mean, Birmingham, they were COVID-stricken. Well, like Lucas said, they weren't they weren't blessed with quality. So you kind of expect the win anyway. But considering we didn't have much of the ball, I thought it was a good performance. Yeah. Um, so first, first half... Going pretty well. First goal, Albert Adoma in front of QPR fans as well. I, I assume it is correct, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, um, um, it was it was it was down the other end of the ground, but he ran the length of the pitch to celebrate with us. Well, there was QPR fans in the ground to see him score the goal. I think that's crucial. Yeah, uh, you know, Al- Albert Adoma, friend of the podcast. Yeah. Um, it was a nice move, wasn't it? Got a bit fortunate that the ball came to him, but overall. A decent move to start uh, the goal scoring. It was. It was from. It was from a turnover. We. I mean, we created loads of them um, from forcing Birmingham long all game. But Will got on the ball. Um, he does what he does best, carrying it into in, into their penalty area. Wallace makes a lovely overlapping run, and then, like you said, there was a bit of fortune with the uh, with the deflection come back to Adoma, but he timed his run perfectly and uh, 
slide it first time into the bottom corner. Yeah, fantastic. And then you you get the dance moves from Albert, which he did speak about when he spoke to us. That he he loves it, doesn't he? You know, when he uh, scored against us, I think he said that was his first thought: Do I dance or not? He had no hesitation this time, did he? Uh, so you know, ten out of ten. And if he ever wants to go on Strictly, come dancing after after a career in football, I reckon he's got a chance. He really has. He's got he's got the moves. Um, so yeah, Adoma scores a fantastic goal. Chris Willock then. Lucas, what, what talk us through this one? Right, so this one was right in what was literally right in front of us. I was sat towards the back, so didn't have the best of views of it. But from what in that I've case, saw, then Dan, um, you talk us through this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nah, I've got, do you want to go, Lucas? Do you want to go? No, I'll, I'll, I'll I might take, as well. Don't say, don't say you didn't have the best of views. <laughs> Just, just pretend that you <laughs> saw it. The whole thing happened. Go, Lucas. Yeah. Go. Yeah, let's let's edit that out. Um, right, <laughs> right. So from what I saw, it um, with a, um, so it was passed forward. I think it was from another turnover, and it was the ball was played forward, and Bivins changed between Wallace and Willock. Wallace passed to Willock, and but Willock does a couple of their players and. Then he just beautifully slots one with his right peg into the corner and the fans go mental. Um, I think it was a really well-taken goal. I think watching it back on replay after I got home, I think it just made the goal even better. It was one of those goals which you score, which get better and better when you see, after you see it. Um, and I think this this goal, it definitely one of them that you get that gets better and better after it, once you're watching it back. Um. It, someone said on Twitter, and I think it was that QPR did actually end up doing it. They put that goal next to Chair's goal against Barnsley. That was really good because that finish at the end is very similar. I think Chair gets a bit more sort of height on it. Um, but yeah, both fantastic goals. And when I saw it go in, I was man, I didn't, I missed the first half, but managed to catch the second half. And uh, I, I was perhaps in a place where I shouldn't have been watching it. Uh, but regardless, I was managing to watch the second half. And when that went in, uh, I f- felt like running all over the place, screaming and celebrating, because it felt like it was such a fantastic goal. And it felt like that was a game secured uh, at that point. But, you know, typical QPR, come along and concede a, a goal to um, Birmingham. I thought that this was quite poor defensively. thought, you know, we, regardless of how well we've played throughout the game. It's a moment where we're switching off. And I don't know what you think, Dan, but I, I, I was a little bit disappointed that we allowed him so much space. And really, you know, you've, and we'll get onto it just after this, you've done a nice piece analysing how well we've played in the game. But I thought we really let ourselves down here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, like you said, um, Chucks and AK gets gets given quite a lot of time. I think it's Dickie that doesn't um, close him down quick enough. But we failed to clear the, if I'm correct, we failed to clear the cross in the first place. Um, comes in from the right-hand side. Mm. And then, yeah, it's a, it's a lapse in concentration, like you said, and it's something that you don't really want to be conceding, especially when you've kept them to, well, at that point, you'd limited them to zero shots on target all game at that point. And we defended our box quite well. So, yeah, no, it was a, it was a silly, silly goal to concede. 
Yeah, I was going to ask actually whether you guys thought it was Dickie or Adoma that should have covered him. But I probably would have said that it was Dickie's man. He was the only one without, you know, marking someone. And Adoma's tracking back, but still close enough to be to a Birmingham player to say that he's, you know, marking his man. Uh, Dickie, I think he gets drawn a little bit too close to Dunn, actually. And I think, was it, yeah, the Bristol City game, we saw three players for their for their goal get drawn to the ball to try and block it um definitely again Dunn and Dickey maybe Barbe as well but they're all diving in to block it and then they're stretched trying to win the second ball after it's been deflected so I'm I was I was disappointed seeing that because at 2-0 it felt so comfortable 2-1 it's suddenly a lot more nervous um you know they, they had quite a bit of possession anyway throughout the game so when you're allowing them to build up ahead of steam. It's sort of what teams did to us earlier on in the season when we've lost. They've stopped us from getting any shots away. They've restricted what we can do. And then at the end, we, we get ahead of steam and want, and break through getting like consolation goals. And we take, and then we win games from where teams are a bit tired, more tired and are so we can get our passes going. Um, but Dan, I did mention your uh, analyst piece uh, on how we stifled Birmingham. Do you want to just sort of give us a bit of a detailed run through on what we did that was so successful? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, firstly, like I think I touched on the start of the pod, our pressing was quite good. Um, I think that was helped by by Andre Gray. I thought he had a, apart from obviously not scoring, I thought he had a near perfect performance off the ball. Um, yeah, we just we 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 held our shape well. We allowed George Friend to to drive in field and um, force him long all the time. And obviously, Deeney, he's an experienced as much as our fan base don't like him. He's an experienced Premier League striker, but he's not really the tallest. So done a lot at the time. Had a lot of height advantage on Deeney, obviously forcing a lot of turnovers. Um, we stopped the right hand side quite well. They attacked, I think, 50% of the time down the right-hand side, which um, was helped by Wallace playing quite aggressive on Colin and Adoma shuffling across almost to make a lopsided back five or, or a back four, um, isolating the left-hand side. I mean, that was quite effective in itself because, as we, well, Lucas touched on as well, Birmingham don't really have many ball players in their in their side, so they weren't that effective to to make a quick switch across to the left-hand side to, to make it dangerous. Um, we gained territory very well I thought like I said with Andre Gray um, he had that dimension of pace and stretching teams in behind so I thought he he ran um, running behind a few times quite well um, we defended our box very well uh, I think we had about eight or nine defenders in the box most of the time and obviously we've got their threats like Dan Dickey um, and we were able to to defend very well so that's that's the, basically the summary of the piece yeah I had a read, read through of it today and it's uh, very good so if you haven't actually done it yet definitely go and give it a read um, and one of the things like I said already that was most striking about it is this, the man for man marking I think for me like when when they've got the ball uh, trying to and you mentioned the fact that they're normally a bit more direct but this time we forced or, or not whatever they you know, we're, they're trying to play out from the back slightly. 
and that's what team, like I said, that's what teams have done to us. We've been pressed a little bit more with our options for a pass into midfield when we have had just Johansson and one other player um, have been cut off. And, you know, we clearly did that very well. So it's quite impressive um, considering that we sort of something that we have said about Warburton in the past that he's tactically unflexible. It definitely wasn't some sort of flexibility shown this weekend so nice to see that they're doing something a little bit different maybe this is what they would want to do against certain sides when they've got um, a bit more time on the training ground a bit more time uh, with the correct players who aren't injured all the time and you know it's nice actually that we're playing that well with our captain one of the biggest players in the side on the bench and we can get away of just playing uh Field and Amos, you know, two very good midfielders on their day. Lucas, the Willock obviously scores that fantastic goal. Was this a part, even without the goal, was this performance slightly better from him in comparison to the Bristol City game? Oh, Bristol City match, um, as I um, think I touched on the previous pod, I, I only managed to watch the last 10 minutes because I was having TV issues at home, but um I can't I can't really speak about that because of um the fact that I managed to get catch the last 10 minutes of the Bristol City match. All right then. Dan, was this a better performance by Willock? Because I thought, especially towards the second half of that game, when he was played out as wing back, regard whether it was I don't know, he certainly had a lack of service out to him. We everything went down the right through a doma in that game. Was this a better performance for him? I think it. I think it was. Um, I think he got a lot more time on the ball as well. I mean, we saw for his first goal from the turnover, especially when um, Birmingham obviously had to attack in numbers because they didn't. Without being too disrespectful, they were they're not the, the best side with quality. Um, so they had to try and attack with numbers, and that obviously there was a lot of space in front of their back three, so he could obviously drive into there. He just looked like a man playing with his, his confidence back. I mean, Bristol City, like you said, he was a bit isolated, lack of service. But I think he was our he was our main link between the midfield and attack. We didn't have Johansson on um on Sunday who could maybe uh, play make play make from deep and um create from deep. So he was he was that focal point between the midfield and attack which is which is quite um important for our for our, for us going forward. Yeah, and I think looking at the future couple of games, especially where Chair is away with uh, Morocco, he's going to be so important for us. Just playing sort of as a lone attacking midfielder a lot of the time, he's going to have to do a lot of work. And he's obviously used to playing with Chair. And Chair is also used to playing with him a lot of the time. So when both of them have had slightly weaker games when the other one has been out of the side and they work very well with each other, but that could end up being a weakness in the long run for, I don't know, you know, the rest of the season if they're, and that was a good thing to see that they've overcome that ever so slightly in this game. Um, Obviously it's just one game. You want to see that be carried on. Um, But it was certainly reassuring that he's had a better game because obviously we've got a small squad and that there's definitely rumours, we talked about it last week, bringing in a player perhaps from Bristol City to play in the same sort of position as Chair and Willock. But 
personally, I would just prefer to keep it as one attacking midfielder because I think it gives the side a better balance. Just with the, it gives and uh, gives the midfield a bit more protection ever so slightly. I know they both work hard and they can track back and whatever, but at the same time, when you can play Johansson, Field and Amos at, all in the same team, I just feel like it gives us a bit more protection. And we've seen it a bit too often where we're overrunning midfield because there's only two players. So I, I would like it just to stay as Willock attacking midfielder. But, you know, fair, fair enough, bring someone on the bench because we're clearly weak on the bench at the moment uh, that could potentially change a game for us. But, you know... That's just one of the things that I was thinking that was a it was a good thing to see that Willock was actually thriving as that sort of lone attack midfielder. Um, is there anything else? I mean, you know, so I wasn't at the game. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon seeing as both of you were there? Um, I mean, I've already touched on Gray. I thought he, I mean, he's been getting a lot of stick over the last couple of weeks from some some supporters, obviously. People moan about him being offside. He's not fit enough. But I think uh, Sunday's performance showed that if we if we can keep him fit, I think he'll be a an effective he'll have an effective role to play on the on the side. Um, I thought Dykes Dykes played well in fairness when we went direct to him. Obviously, he wasn't really we didn't create loads of opportunities in open play, and he wasn't really all too involved. But when we chose to go direct along with Flickons, I thought him and him and Gray um, had a good partnership. Uh, so let's touch on the three strikers then. It's been a little bit of an ongoing debate in our group chat this week. The, the, of all the positions, and uh, Lucas, you can take this first because I know what Dan's going to say, but of all the positions in the side, do we need another striker? Do we need another striker? Um, this one's this one's tough. Um, we've, we've got three... We've got three solid strikers at the moment in Dykes, Austin, Gray. Could we do with another striker? I think preferably if he's young and unknown from the Premier League, then I'd take him, you know. I would say Balogun, but he's gone to Borough. Um, if there are any other young Premier League strikers that um, you're willing to slow now, just let us know and we'll take him. Okay, and Dan, do we need a fourth striker? Um, no, no. Um, well, before I make my point, I just want to touch on the Balogun thing. Obviously, we had in our group chat, I think a month ago when our links came with him. He's the same profile as Andre Gray. We don't, we don't need two, two target men, Nostin and Dykes, and we don't need two, two runners um, with Andre Gray and Balogun. It makes absolutely no sense, especially he's going to be on big wages coming in. It's, it's just, well, it's pointless I'm, I'm for sure the sport. people would have seen the tweet suggesting that Middlesbrough are covering all of his wages or at least 40 majority, grand. for 40 grand for a champion for a player that's purely coming on loan for the second half of the season that is mental ridiculous amount of money to be thrown around in the championship but um back to the point no i don't think we do need a striker um i've i've seen things about people saying they're not going to reach 15 goals each i don't think it really matters we've scored what in the last 32 of 33 consecutive games it we're scoring goals does it really matter who scores the goals not not for me um the thing is think, they, goals come from 
you know, it's a nice thing to have the goals coming from other players in the side. Willock and yeah. Chair are two of our, you know, main goal scorers. Uh, as long as they keep scoring, they could Dykes, Austin and Chair can have, a, uh, sorry, Gray can have a slightly lower turnover. That, that doesn't really matter. They've all had in- injuries at significant points in the season as well, haven't they? So that, you know, yeah. you can't expect them to be scoring 15 goals when they've missed quite a few games. You just need I them mean, there when it I'd counts. Have a- I'd have I'd have doubts if they weren't scoring and they weren't adding anything to the team. But Sunday's performance showed that Gray only had one chance, uh, which got deflected wide. But he added so much more than just 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 no goal. He was pressing his work rate, stretching stretching Birmingham behind Dykes as the focal point, offering offering as a target man. Like they are offering things in open play. We we don't just create chances from long crosses into the box and. And headed goals. We are we are a good attacking side that can get goals from anywhere. So I don't I don't really buy the point that we need a fifteen goal striker. I think Dykes can get there, but he's been unlucky with injury, and he's um I think he's only played what two two full games since since the beginning of October. Mm. So um, I mean, if if there's any position in our squad that's rotated heavily, it's a striking position. Mm. When they all three are fit, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if it was an elite game on Saturday, you could have seen Austin starting anyway, just because yeah, and, they rotate and even, it all the time. Even even Austin, I know I know I know we sometimes criticize him for his for what he brings in open play. He's not he's not always mobile, but he gets you a goal. He scored a penalty at Bristol City. He could have scored a penalty for Stoke and that had to change the game completely. He does he does bring value with his his, his goals and he's a poacher in the box. He knows he knows what he's doing. Like the goal against Barnsley we scored I think early on in the season, he just had to make make one bit of movement, and he and he scored a goal. That, that's all that matters for us. Uh, I, I I don't see don't see why we need another striker. I can understand the number ten links. I think we we need someone short term to cover share, but I don't think we need another striker. Yeah, uh, it reminds me actually a lot of last season, just before around this time actually. Dykes obviously hadn't been scoring many goals, and we had McCauley Bond as a backup. Well, we were going into the season short with just two strikers that weren't very experienced at this level. But regardless, uh, plenty of people were sort of questioning what Dykes brings to the side. He does plenty off the ball uh, and still can turn up with important goals. And I was always having to sort of say, look at how he performs for Scotland because he's scoring goals there and his performances are much better than... Uh, the way he's been playing with QPR, and he, you know, he is crucial for Scotland in the way that we play, and just he pops up with a goal, but he's constantly providing a, a focal point for an attack, uh, and you know that long ball escape as well. So yeah, all three are contributing in their own ways, and I don't think we need to worry about having an additional striker added to the squad. Let's move on then um, to Rotherham at the weekend. We've got Cup match um i said in the intro that this was an interesting tie i don't know i think we were all pretty bored of this when it came out of the hat uh so how are we are we excited about this weekend is this going to be a good game do we think i'm not excited but hopefully i'll be proved wrong and it will be an exciting end-to-end clash between an established championship club, um, which is hopeful of promotion to the big time, and and the ultimate yo-yo club, who in their last um, one, two, three, four, who in their last five or six seasons have either been promoted to, 
to the championship or relegated to League One. Um, so it's so this this just seems like a game that we'd lose surely, but hopefully I'll be proved wrong and it'll be a good game. That's what I'm saying. So let you know, do we need a cut run? We've had one earlier on in the season. Um, would this be a good use of time going on the cut run, or would you be content with just going out on the third round again? Go out. Um, as much as I probably prefer the FA Cup to the League Cup, I don't, it doesn't really, we don't really need to go on a cup run. The league's the priority. We've had our cup run um, in the League Cup. I think it's a time for rotation, time for some of the squad, fr- uh, the fringe squad players to get some minutes under the belt because we, we know we have a small squad and we know with Chair going to AFCON, with, well, with Archer, Archer's probably going to have to play to get some minutes in him. Uh, we're going to have to rely on some of the squad squad over the next few weeks. So I think it's a chance for them to get some minutes. Well, with you may raise a good point there with Chair going away. And, you know, we're also we've lost two other players as well. Um, <laughs> if we want the side to be rotated. The real question is, is there players to rotate the side with? Because Kakai is someone that everyone keeps on forgetting, I think, is actually on international duty, probably would have played in this game. Obviously, you've mentioned Archer. He needs to play uh, ahead of Joe Walsh if he's going to be starting games in the league. We haven't really got, apart from Masterson, we've only got one. That's his, That's our backup centre-back now. Um, do we, you know, um, that, there's no real heavy rotation to be done there, is there? Adoma's probably going to have to play again. You might have to see Wallace play again because we've got injuries and we've got such a small squad. The only real rotation that we could do is bring in Thomas and Ball. And then we'll see Austin up front. So, you know, there, there isn't much. As we were all sort of thinking this is a good chance to rest players, rotate, whatever. There isn't anyone to rotate. <laughs> There's no one there unless we're bringing in uh, youth players from the under 23s or other who got beaten 5 0 before half time today <laughs> by Middlesbrough's under 23s. So, what about, what about Aaron Drew? Yeah, Do you reckon he might even try because I, I, I think obviously Adoma is the only fit right wing back at the minute. I think Odebadjo is back in training. Um, whether we give him some minutes, I don't remains to be seen. But I just think Adoma is pr- not pretty. He is fairly crucial to the way we play. And do we really want to be risking him in an FA Cup third round? Mm. Not, not, not really. When, when I, we say risking, though, it's a weird thing to say, though, isn't it? Because they could get injured at any time. Like they could. But it, it's, it's, it's no well, difference to just getting an injury on the training ground. Or if he plays in the league, it's it's a really weird thing because it's the FA Cup and League Cup are deemed unnecessary. If he got injured, it's a bad decision to play him. But if he played uh, against Black, uh, Birmingham and pulled up injured before half-time there, you, would, you wouldn't necessarily say it was a bad decision to play him. It's just unfortunate that he got injured. No, that's, 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 that's a fair point. Yeah, no, that is a fair point, to be fair. I, just, I mean, we know Warburton takes the cup slightly seriously. Well, they, he does take them at least quite seriously because in the League Cup, I think, against Leighton Orient even, he played fairly... Strong side. I think he played the fullback three. Yeah, maybe a few few going forward that were rotated, but well, was he the takes back it three that's it. playing now because the vice was in the stands with the fans. That's it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, 
uh, one player that's been demanded to start this weekend is uh, Armstrong, who's come back from his loan from Torquay, if I'm correct. Yep, Torquay. Yep. Um, what do we think? Do you think he gets a chance maybe off the bench? Should he be starting? Or is this just yet that's... another sort of, not Twitter storm, but people just see it and sort of like demand it. And a bit like I've seen Kelman. Kelman should be starting. I'd, I'd have him on the bench maybe as a as a as a very very last resort. I don't see, I don't see why he should start. I mean, I'd, I'd have some minutes in Austin or or Gray depending on who he picks. I mean, I'd have Kelman on the bench as well. I don't. I think there's always there's always too much hype when it comes to youngsters. They have to play. They have to be thrown in. I mean, Warburton said on the QPR pod a few weeks ago that he's not going to throw them in unless they if he deems them ready. And if you just send Sinclair Armstrong to a National League side, is he going to get into an FA Cup game against a, a good League One side? I don't, I don't think so. So I don't think I don't really see any point in starting him. Maybe on the bench for some minutes, but that that, that remains to be seen. So you've mentioned them there. They're a good yeah. side. What can we expect from Rotherham then? Physic, physically, di- uh, phys- well, physical, um, direct side. I haven't watched too much of them in League One, but obviously they've got the likes of um, the Matt, Matt Smith, the striker. I think he's on about 14 goals already this season. He's on a good campaign. They've got that um, Irish winger, Ogbeni. He's supposed to be a very good ball carrier. I think there's a lot of interest in championship clubs in him. So, if he if he does play, um, I'd expect him to be one of their main threats. They play a similar system to us with wing backs, and I've been told that they they attack in a lot of numbers uh, with the wing backs, so they are susceptible to to counter attacks just like we are usually. I mean, they've got they've got good players. Paul Warren's a good manager. He's I think he's the EFL's longest serving manager. I oh, believe. I don't think he's above. Surely no, not. He's not more Stop. than Ainsworth. Harrogate Harrogate's longer. I don't know. I think it's a good achievement to keep. I, I, I grant he's got all the relegations, but to constantly go up after the relegations all the time, I think he's got about some achievement. Yeah, I think there's a really interesting um, piece by the with him uh, by the Athletic on his. They did an interview of him about the sort of constant going up and down, and sort of. I think it was after the last one because they got relegated in unfortunate circumstances. They arguably depending on who you ask, could have stayed in the league, you know, because of Derby and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, he had to sort of really walk away and think about whether he was wanting to carry on because it does, it was, it is a good achievement. It's a, it's a very, it's something that should be um, praised a bit more because he's bringing, he's, he's improving them all the time. They're you know, going up and down. But last season when they came up, they, they beat us when we played them away from home. I think that was after we had, you know, turned it around a bit. So uh, they're, they're definitely improving as a side, and he's he's done a good job there. Lucas, what what are you expecting from from this weekend? Well, I think um, I think hopefully we'll see the likes of Armstrong on the bench. Alice Warburton said we won't be bringing them in, but I think it's going to be interesting to see who plays up top because. Remember, Gray might not be eligible because of the terms of his loan. Um, so that so that could be interesting because I don't know the terms of Andre Gray's loan. I don't think anyone knows. To be he honest. he must have he must be fit available to play though because he played in the sh- 
the League Cup match against Sunderland. So the uh, of, course, of course, so I can't. He, imagine, he won't. Be, he won't be cup tied or anything like that. So yeah, he he will be playing I, for us. I, I highly doubt it. Um, f- fingers crossed. Or fingers crossed. Um, Gray, Gray will be fit to play. Um, I, I remember this year again. All ties are decided on the day. There's no replay. Um, which will which will definitely be interesting to see it goes without saying because um, no, no, I mean no one wants an away um, trip to Rotherham though on a replay. <laughs> just don't want replays. Probably, replays are stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Nah, so all so times be decided on the day with extra time and pens. Um, there will be extra time. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, no. Hopefully it'll be a good match. Not the class, and hopefully you don't QPR up and go out. Because if you've got a guy, you've got a guy in style. That's how I see it. Yeah, so they're, they're in a good run of form. They've won uh, or they've lost only once in the last seven games in all competitions. They did play yesterday. Uh, they beat Crew away in the EFL Trophy. So, you know, they've got League One commitments, potentially additional FA Cup commitments if they beat us and the EFL Trophy. So they might not want to put out a good, a strong side. Don't really know what to expect from them in that point, really. Um, but they are top of the league in League One, played 24-1-15, drawn five, lost four. And so they sit top just above Sunderland with 50 points. And, you know, seeing as the podcast is coming to an end, I think it would be a miss for us not to go and do some predictions. Congratulations, Dan, last week on predicting the right result. I, th- I th- think you did predict a 2-1 win to QPR, but it, we wouldn't put it past you if you're predicting Birmingham to win. You've done that in the past. Only once, only once. <laughs> so, um, Lucas, let's have a prediction for Rotherham. Oh, it's going to be scrappy, that's for sure. I'm saying we'll nick it 3-2 after extra time. 3-2 after extra time. That is a specific uh, <laughs> prediction from Lucas. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 win to two us. Win. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0. Two, 2-0 two two to us. We're going through to the next round and we're going to get... Uh, Another really exciting tie after that. So that is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you do choose to find us. Follow us on Twitter, Our Generation Net. And uh, Dan also has a sub stack that you can uh, subscribe to where you get all his latest stuff right into your inbox. So that is it for us. Until next time, thank you for listening and come on your arse.